1: Good morning, Grace. What a blessing it is to worship with you on this beautiful day. I miss you. I hope that you and those that you love are staying safe and healthy, and I can't wait for the next opportunity for us to be together in person. I'm here this morning to announce to you that I will not be bringing the Word of God today, Uh, Instead, we will hear the word of the Lord through our own Drew Williams. And for those of you who may not be familiar with Drew, you know him already as he is the the person who introduces the different segments of worship through this online service. But he also is the man behind the curtain who brings together all of these recorded elements so that it is smooth and incredibly um, available to all of us week in and week out. In addition to that, with his wife, Megan, Drew and Megan are our junior high ministry leaders. And Drew, several years ago, heard God's call to the ministry track of ordination, to ministry of word and sacrament. Basically meaning he's on on track to become a pastor like me. And if you didn't know this, Drew actually just completed his schooling, his Masters of Divinity at Fuller Theological Seminary this past June. If you didn't know that, congratulate him, please. That was a quite an effort that he did while working and also bringing along with Megan a child into this world. So that's something to be seriously congratulated. He's now just finishing up a couple of other elements as part of his preparation to be ordained as a pastor. He's in the midst of an internship with us. There are a couple of other classes related to Lutheran theology and practice that he's taking, but if all goes well and God willing, he will be our next associate pastor sometime in early 2021. And so we are providing more and more opportunities as part of his training and preparation, uh, such as this, such as preaching. He's preached before, but it's been several years due to his schooling. So I'm excited, and I hope you are too, to hear him bring to us the word from the book of James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. And if I may, I'd like to read those verses to all of us now. Again, James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. James writes, "'Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own sinful desires, evil desires that are enticed. And then after that desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: I've never been very good at self-discipline. It's not that I can't do hard things because I love to take on new challenges. The part that's hard for me is resisting temptation because do you know, what sounds really good on the second day of a diet cookies. And do you know, what sounds like fun when it's time to clean the garage, baking a new batch of cookies. And when it's time to begin work on that big project, what's really enticing is just picking up my phone and zoning out for a little while. And if I'm honest, it's because I'm seeking comfort. Whenever there's something uncomfortable or uniquely difficult, my mind immediately starts wandering to something that will make me feel good. And you get that, don't you? You're probably sitting somewhere comfortable right now. And it's pretty natural for us to want comfort. But do you know when I want comfort the most? I feel the biggest desires for comfort when I feel like I'm under some sort of trial or when my patience is being tested or when I'm being squeezed on all sides, that's when I go to my phone or when my mind starts to wander towards lust or when I want nothing more than a salty chip and a sugary drink. The truth is that you know, and I know we've all been under pretty extreme stress and pressure lately. There's constant bad news in the media. Many of us are separated from our friends and families, and it's impossible to know what will happen next. What are we supposed to do when we're in the midst of such big trials? Whether you've been following Jesus for your whole life, or if you're in a season of doubt and aren't sure what you believe about God right now, there's good news for you today. God says you're blessed right now. Don't worry. I'll explain. We've been beginning to orient ourselves to the book of James. And he starts out with a strong statement that we're to consider it joy when we face trials and temptations. Then he talks about wisdom and moves on to talk about how money and status are fleeting. And at this point, We think he might be spouting off a bunch of proverbial statements that have a hidden meaning or look nice when they're stitched on a pillow. But then he returns to this topic of trials, and this is where our good news comes. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. James here is channeling the same language that his brother used when preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the persecuted, and on and on. James is using the same word blessed to describe those who persevere under trial. Blessed means to be a recipient of God's favor. James is reminding his readers who by the way, are scattered out and separated from their community and under pressure from the culture around them. Doesn't that sound like us? He's reminding them that even when life feels like a big trial, an impossible season of testing, God is with us and has promised something at the end of it. Life. Eternal, abundant, flourishing life. This is James' bookend to the conversation he started back in verse 2, and he's driving home the point that outward circumstances don't matter as much as being connected to God, because that's what makes us blessed, even if we're in the midst of a trial. But even then, that doesn't change the fact that we're currently in a trial. And it's hard. And it's making us ask hard questions. And James seems to know exactly what we're thinking because he continues when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Did you see that when tempted notice that he doesn't say if James knows that temptation will happen to all of us, but he wants to make sure that we don't blame it on the wrong person. We know from other places in scripture that God will test his people for their good but we can't assume that God tempts us to turn away from him. These are two different words, test and temptation. A test or a trial is something that's to be endured. But as James is going to make clear, a temptation is something that is to be avoided. If you've been around for a while, you know that every trial brings temptation with it. When we face financial difficulty, we're tempted to stop trusting that God will provide. When we lose someone we love, we're tempted to question God's love for us. And when we see good people suffer while awful people somehow get to live easy lives, we're tempted to question God's version of justice or whether he even exists. But according to James, the brother of Jesus, God may test us, but he does not and cannot and will not tempt us to turn away from him. And so, if it's not God tempting us, where does the temptation come from? And should we avoid it, or is it okay to give in every once in a while? You know, just to let off some steam. James makes it pretty clear that it's not God tempting me, and it's not Satan It's me. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Dragged away and enticed. And the word for enticed could also be translated lured. And James is intentionally using a fishing metaphor here to describe what happens with our desires and giving into temptation. If you've ever been fishing, you know that fish don't usually bite down on empty hooks for no reason. If you want to lure and entice a fish, you've got to hide the hook. You've got to cover it with something attractive. Temptation does that. It appeals to our desires, attracts us but hides the fact that it's dangerous. You've been there, right? When you convince yourself something's okay, you tell yourself just one cookie, just one video, just 10 minutes on this website. No one has to know something inside us is being drawn away to something attractive. We're being enticed, but we don't know what's hidden inside it, a hook. A snare. And once we're hooked, even if we try to struggle, we begin to get dragged away. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. God has promised life, but sin promises death. That's what comes at the end of the process. This is what the process looks like. It all starts with deception. We convince ourselves to believe something that isn't true. Something like how we'll find comfort in that thing that's tempting us. Or we don't believe something about God, like disbelieving that he will provide for us. So we begin to look elsewhere. Adam and Eve experienced this unbelief and the serpent asked them, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? First comes deception, then comes desire we see the lure, we get enticed, our interest is aroused. Temptation lines up with our desires. It attracts us, but it hides the fact that it will kill us. This is what drives people to pornography or physical affair. This is what drives employees to dishonesty. This is what leads people back to the addiction that they are hiding from their family. It starts with disordered thoughts. When we put other things as more important than our relationship with God. Which leads to disordered desires. Where we seek out other things besides God to satisfy us. Desire like that conceives in our heart. And it gives birth to sin. This leads to disobedience. When we act on those evil desires. And then death. This is the result of sin. You start feeling a dead romance with your spouse because of porn. You start having a dead heart with no compassion because of the anger and hate that's grown inside you. We get dead friendships and an inability for connection and vulnerability because of all the things we're hiding about ourselves. Temptation gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. Wait, whoa. Oh, did I get too dark too quickly? Um, yeah. Sorry. Did you have to stop everything? Yeah. Sorry. Do you want me to keep going? Uh, Just go. Okay, that's good. Because there's good news. Jesus promised us that we will have trials in our lives. We know that we will constantly face trials and tests, especially right now. But we don't have to choose death. Because of Jesus, we now get a choice. That's good news. You don't have to give in to temptation. You can run to Jesus. And it's not like you need to muster up the power to turn to him. If you're in a trial and experiencing temptation, you're blessed because Jesus is right there with you. And he's already given you his perfect righteousness and freed you from slavery to sin so that you actually get a choice in the matter and can turn to him and ask for help. One of the most famous passages on temptation is 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, which says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Because of Jesus, there's always a way out. And so, what does that mean for you? Listen, if you forget everything else I've said today, I want you to hear this. Whatever sin you're flirting with, run away from it. Run away. I know it seems enticing and it sounds like it'll help you feel better, It won't. It will hurt you. It will hurt the ones you love. Temptation leads to sin and sin leads to death. But James isn't finished. He says, no, God doesn't tempt you to turn away from him. That's not God. But do you know what is from God? Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God gives good gifts, perfect gifts, gifts that give life, gifts that are even better than a beautiful sunshiny day or a dark night with a million stars because God is actually the Father and creator of the sun and stars. And he's not subject to bad weather or daylight savings time or smog. Temptation gives birth to sin and death, but God gives us birth into life through his truthfulness. Not just for our sake, but for the sake of all the world. God in Jesus saves us from sin, gives us his righteousness as our own, and calls us into his mission of restoration as a preview for what he's continuing to do for all that he created. That's what the first fruits are. They're the first crop given as an indication of what else is to come. It's that incredible smell that wafts from the kitchen that promises a delicious meal is coming. It's that first impression of someone where you get to know what kind of great friend they'll be based on how kindly they treat you when they meet you. That's what we are. We are the first fruits of what it looks like to have God present with us, proclaiming his blessing over us, even if we're in a trial, even if we're facing testing. God has promised to be with us, not just for us, but for the sake of the world. God is presenting us as a foretaste, the down payment of the redemptive work he's doing for all of creation. We yet to display truth, love, and generosity to the world as a sign of Jesus who freed us from sin and death because God is offering the same freedom to everyone, even as he's still working in us. That's what James is reminding us. You were created by God with the full potential for truth and life. So don't squander or trade that for a false lure. You don't have to. Because of Jesus, we can remember that even in the midst of trial, God is still trustworthy and good, and he's present with us and working in us for the sake of the world. That's good news.